verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious, or boastful, or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for the prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We should have a pop-up wedding. Anybody? <laughs> Ready? Oh, oh, there you go. I kid, of course. Let us pray. <coughs> Spirit of life, God of love, Open our hearts and enter in that hearing your word of love, we may become your love for others. In the same way, Christ is love in the flesh. Amen. So my wife Cheyenne and I have something of a running joke based on this book, which, could we go to the next slide? Next slide. Okay. Ah. <laughs> it's part of a series of books about this little dog named Biscuit. Titles include What is Halloween Biscuit? What are Shapes Biscuit? And other things. It's pretty basic learning stuff. And this one is What is Love Biscuit? And uh, we both thought that this, as part of this collection of books, was kind of hilarious. 
And uh, maybe just because we're kind of sick, that might be an answer to it. But the idea that someone would consult a cartoon dog to teach them the depth and intricacies of the most important of human emotions is kind of funny. So, Biscuit, tell us about Halloween. Now, Biscuit, please uh, tell me why me and my wife fight so much and why we should maybe be kinder to each other. Um, uh, shapes are one thing, but love is another. And I always imagine asking my 11-year-old Shih Tzu, what is love, Newton? <laughs> and Newton silently staring back at me with his froggy eyes. We can go back to the original slide here. Or the next slide, I guess. It is a good question, though. What is love? What is love? It's one of those things that are kind of a given for us. We kind of assume we know what we mean by it, kind of like, what is hate? But love is how we describe both a 40-year marriage on one hand and our relationship, or at least mine, with A&W Root Beer on the other. <laughs> Love sounds like a feeling of varying degrees of intensity. So perhaps we need to consider the word a bit more deeply to know what love might actually mean. So what is love, Biscuit? No. What is love? Today's scripture passage offers an answer to that question. You'll remember that this is a letter by the Apostle Paul to one of the churches he helped found in the city of Corinth. And he's writing because these people fight over social status, they fight over sexual morality, and they fight over who has the greatest spiritual gifts. Some see themselves as greater, as superior to others, whether socially, morally, or spiritually. And that's become, surprise, surprise, a deep source of conflict for them. So the meaning of love is being offered in response to a community that lacks love directed towards each other. It's a community that is not being loving. So in this section of the letter, Paul starts with the necessity of love itself. And he kind of sounds like the Beatles at first, you know. All you need is love, 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 etc., if I speak in tongues of mortals and angels, he writes, if I speak in tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, as Ryan so poorly illustrated earlier. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So, in response to their spiritual one-upmanship, Paul's basically telling them that they can be spiritual superheroes they can have mystical experiences, they can speak prophecies, they can work their way to the top, they can win every award, they can give away all their possessions, live simply, and even offer their bodies up to be burnt in martyrdom. But the fact that they can do all of the above and still treat their fellow sisters and brothers with judgment and unkindness 
then it means that everything else they've done is meaningless. It counts for nothing. If there's no love, it's canceled out. Without love, you ain't nothing, you ain't got nothing. Love is something we need. It's essential to human life, and we've seen this or felt it in one way or another. Uh, for example, Dr. Gaber Mate, who works with addicted patients on Vancouver's downtown east side, he says that every patient he treats without fail has grown up with some kind of experience lacking unconditional love. So Paul kind of says, without it, we're angry, judgmental, and bitter, finding ourselves unable to give love, or we hurt, we suffer, we despair in ourselves when we don't receive it. We need it, whether giving or receiving love. We can be deeply spiritual people with mystical experiences. We can tithe 10, 20, 30 percent, answer every call, perform every service. We can cure cancer and hear direct commands from the Almighty herself. We can have everything, do everything, but in the end, without love, it's all empty. It's all meaningless. Paul may not say, all you need is love. But he does say, without love, nothing else actually matters. Without love, life ain't nothing. And we ain't nothing, neither. So love's essential. We need it. But how do we know when we've got it? Next, Paul starts describing to us what love looks like in practice, what it looks like on the ground. There's that wedding reading that we've heard so much, which is probably appropriate if you've ever been married. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. Now you'll notice that love kind of is in action here. Love isn't just Romeo's love for Juliet. In Greek, the word used here is agape, one of the four kinds of love in Greek, but it's agape love. I've pointed this out many times before, but this isn't any just kind of love, it's self-giving love. This is sacrificial love. In the old King James Version, they translated it as charity. Charity is patient. Charity is kind. Now, I mean, our own version of that word, the way that we use it, kind of sounds like pity or simply donating money. But to be charitable towards someone is to be tolerant of their flaws and to show love even when the other person hasn't done anything to deserve it. I mean, I think that maybe that's a better word for agape love, you know. I'm throwing out all the pop culture references here, but... Uh, 
it's more than a feeling, if you know Boston. Uh, <laughs> I've done that one before. It's, it's old. It's anyway. <laughs> this kind of love is love that acts without condition for the sake of the other. That's actually the kind of love we need. That's the love we're talking about when we say that life is nothing without love. All love is all you need. And really here, in describing love, Paul's just rehearsing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, you can insert, instead of love, you can put Jesus in there, if you like. And it fits the description. As Paul says elsewhere in his letter to the church in Rome, another letter, different letter, different community, God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So for Paul, Jesus is God showing God's love for us even at our most depraved, wicked, and broken. It's not just when we can reach a certain bar of behavior, but the bar is way down low. It's so low you don't even see it. The bar's in the grave. It's buried in the ground. Jesus is love incarnate, agape in the flesh. Jesus suffering on the cross, his submitting himself to death, his willingness to go hell and back. That's what God's love looks like in practice. Patience, kindness, not insisting on his own way, rejoicing in the truth, Bearing all, believing all, suffering all, all are signs of the presence of that same very love at the heart of God. And that's how we know when love's in the room. There's patience. There's kindness. It's all in large doses, too. But you'll also know that love's in the room by some other absences when envy has evacuated the building and arrogance and rudeness are nowhere to be seen. Irritation towards the most annoying of your fellow creatures is a way for the weak and resentment towards their faults and foibles is under lock and key. Nobody's reveling in cutting another person down but instead, the truth stands in the center and gives it life. And when love's there, when love's present, people seem to be able to bear hurts and burdens and endure suffering and pain in ways they didn't think possible before. When love's in the room, it looks like Jesus. You could say, it's agape or the highway. <laughs> oh, boy. <clears throat> You've got all the one-liners I've been hiding in a notebook somewhere. <laughs> you know, that'd be good, agape or the highway. Better use that sometime. But Paul's not done, okay? There's one last thing he needs to say about love before he's done. And this is the most important thing about love, according to Paul. 
Love, he says, love never ends. All those other things, prophecies, tongues, knowledge, all of those things, they come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Greatest of these is love. So, according to Paul, love never ends. That's the bedrock. That's the hinge on the whole thing, the whole message. He's saying that there is this eternal quality to love itself. Everything else in life is partial. Spiritual gifts, prophecies, our achievements, our failures, all that stuff is destined to slide away simply with time. But love, Paul says, that kind of Christ-like agape love, along with faith and hope, love, it lasts forever. The great theologian Karl Barth says that love is the eternal future shining and bringing light into the present. Though heaven and earth pass away, Jesus tells his disciples, my word will last forever. And that last word is the word of love pointed to on the cross. And so, to be a Christian, to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus is simply to submit our lives to the fact of this perfect love. That we were made in love, we were made to love, and we were made to reach for and set our whole lives towards the destination of self-giving love. A costly love that's come to view in the image of the cross of a God who is infinitely patient, infinitely kind, who does not insist on his own way, but instead bears all injuries, forgives all trespasses, and sets all souls right. Because accepting this mere fact has the power to change everything for us. It's the foundation to which to, to build, on which to build a life of meaning purpose, the only foundation, according to Paul. The biblical scholar Jerry Irish puts it like this. The love described in 1 Corinthians 13 is a love we experience as God's unshakable grasp upon our lives. It is the source of our greatest security and thus our freedom to actually be patient and kind, to bear all things, 
and to not insist on our own way. Because of the inexhaustibility of this love that is beyond us, we can begin to function without fear, without anxiety for the future. Without arrogance, without resentment, without bitterness or hatred for anyone. Because when we truly know we're loved in our wholeness, both the beautiful and ugly parts of us, we can begin to love others with the kind of Christ-like resolve that Paul harangues us and the Corinthians with. Because knowing the depth, height, and breadth of God's love for us creates a surplus of love within us, rather than the deficit we operate out of that's so often our default. So, I have a new children's board book idea. Okay? What is love, Paul? I was going to try to do some, some, uh, some uh, a Photoshop to have a little Paul book and Paul with a little kid. And this book would be based on 1 Corinthians 13. Or, or better yet, what is love, Jesus? Because whatever love is, we need it to live for our lives to be worth a damn at all. And whatever it is, it's more than a feeling. Because in action, it looks just like Jesus. And finally, whatever it is, it lasts forever. Because God is love. Love begins in God, and love ends in God. You need it. I need it. We need it. And as we know it in our lives, the love you feel for your family, your friends, it's a small dose, a sacrament, a sign, a symbol, a foretaste of the greater love that resides in eternity. And even if it's not something that you have experienced, it's not only there for you, it's come for you in Jesus Christ. It's been given and it'll never run out, it'll never end. Because love comes not from us, it's not limited by us, not limited to us, but it comes from God, the source of all things. So when everything else is washed away by the sands of time, God's love will still stand. And it means we too can stand, always and forever, because faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love. Thank God for that. Amen.